0: My scripture for this morning shall be Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and, this is the fun part, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. Thanks, Paul. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If, if they are thirsty, give them something to drink. But For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Now, uh, when I usually read this passage of scripture, I usually start off with saying, so Paul gives you all of the, the things that you're supposed to do, and then he says, oh, by the way, don't worry about the ones that do it the wrong way, because, well, God's got them, and God will wipe them from the face of the earth. And so, don't worry, you just keep your heads up, do your job, and everything will be fine. It's the other part that's wrong with this is, is that this is a, a mission impossible. Right? It reminds me literally of the old TV show or movie where the mission is clear. You get to do all of this impossible stuff and you have to get it done in a certain amount of time. Oh, and by the way, this message is going to explode in 10 seconds. And then you throw it into the trash and you run away. Because if we really get into this passage of scripture, everything that Paul is suggesting to the church is not just hard, it's almost impossible. When we dig deeper into this, it forms a roadmap for us as Christians, guiding us toward a life filled with, he uses the word genuine love. As we explore today, it'll challenge, inspire, and ultimately, hopefully, it'll call us out to live our faith in practical ways. So let's start from the beginning. The character building aspects of this. The passage before us is a treasure trove of character building ideals, the goals of what it means to be a Christian and the Christian actions that come along with it. Paul would call this maybe a divine blueprint for living out our faith in a tangible and meaningful way. But I I need to make sure that I, I say this, that these ideals are not merely a suggestion. They are imperative, according to Paul. Instructions for how we should conduct ourselves as followers of Jesus. So how does he tell us these things? Well, first off, he he does it in a very Pauline way, just short sentences, and he uses action verbs. He doesn't hold back. Paul presents these ideas in short, concise sentences filled with action verbs. He, He does this to emphasize the urgency and immediacy of our response to God's agape love. These action verbs compel us, as well as the church of the first century, to action reminding us that our faith is not passive but it's active not theoretical but practical the bottom line is this authentic love at the core of all of these ideals lies the principle of authentic love now I don't know how many of you know this, but as of August 17th, I've started my seventh year here. And if there's anything that I want you to get from the next 47 years, while I'm here, until you kick me out the door kicking and screaming, is is that love is the driving force behind everything we do as Christians. Let me, let me make sure you hear me say that again. Love is the driving force in everything we do as Christians. It can't be superficial. It cannot be self-serving, but it has to be genuine and, frankly, sacrificial to give up of myself for the common good. It should seek the common good of the community, putting others before ourselves. This is the essence of the Christian faith. Whether we like it or not. To honor one another means that I honor you above myself. I love you sometimes more than the love I should show myself. It's, a, it's amazing to me when we talk about this, when Paul is talking about this, he, he just gets done telling us how we can live as Christians with uh, true spiritual acts of our faith. When he's talking about this, he's he's including all of the children of God. Because up until this point, there's this understanding that there's the, the Jewish culture, that has been given a promise by God that they will be outnumbered the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea, right? This is his thing. This is the connection for us, the Gentiles. The promise that's been extended to us through Jesus Christ. That type of love can only be given to us by God. No human being can show that type of love to another human being. You can love another human being, but you can't love them in the ways that God loves you. We can strive for it. And how do we do that? Well, we do it with our spiritual gifts, our talents and our actions, and they should all find their purpose in fulfillment, in genuine love. Love is the unifying force that brings coherence to our Christian journey. But it's practical. I I think sometimes we think it's it's so far out that we can't reach or we can't grasp it. It's not a mere emotion or sentiment, it's it's agape love, a love that is practical and caring goes beyond feelings or desires, and it extends to to tangible acts of kindness and compassion. The early church embodied this kind of love as as we see it in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, that they cared for each other's needs and their love was evident in their actions, Paul says. I I wanna talk about this for just a second. I I think that we avoid this conversation too easily when we talk about extending God's love to one another. So let's just make it uncomfortable. Ready? I think sometimes there are ways that we can show God's love with our checkbooks. We've talked about this a couple times. I'm not physically able to do something, but I have uh, enough that I could help somebody. And maybe it's a one-time thing. I can't do it all the time, they say to me as the minister. But I really see and I feel called to do this 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 once. And then they give with their right hand so the left hand doesn't know what they're giving. And it's monumental. I mean, whether it's $20 or $20,000, it's a massive gift from their heart. There are those that give from their backs. They might not have $20, but they're helping rebuild houses. They're taking care of those that are hungry. They're building ramps for people to have wheelchair access to their homes. They might not be able to physically give anything from their pocketbook, but by God, they're able to do it with their backs and their hands and their hard work. There are those that have talent that they express their god-given gifts through music or uh maybe it's working with children or maybe it's uh it's leading in leadership however the gifts that they've been given they give back to god in such a way because god loved them so much they want others to feel that love from god not from themselves you see It's like that old adage I always say, my mom said when I was a kid, if I sing for the applause in a sanctuary, then I'm doing it for the wrong reason. I want God to hear my voice. There are those that are amongst us that might not be able to do anything with their back or their checkbook or Uh, Any of the other things that I have, but they'll take care of our community's needs. Maybe it's picking somebody up and taking them to the doctor. Maybe it's picking up their prescriptions and bringing it to their home. Maybe it's going getting their food and bringing it to their house. There's, There's so many ways that all of you can be involved. And I have witnessed sharing God's genuine love. love that does good love is not content with mere words it expresses itself in deeds that uplift and bless those around us it is a force that drives us to care for the physical emotional and spiritual needs of others and it transcends anything that makes common sense in everyday life Because I like talking about the first century, there was a theologian by the name of Origen. No, it's not the origin of Christianity. His name is spelled differently. It's O-R-I-G-E-N. But he's an early Christian theologian from the first and second century that writes, that reminds us that our love should be directed toward God and aligned with God's desires. Our love, if it goes against anything other than God, becomes artificial and empty. Yep, I'm changing. My Sunday school class messed me up. We were talking about this true love understanding and I didn't say this at the first service because my, my Sunday school class uh, really made me aware of this. When they asked the question, in the first century, did they love the way that we do today? Is that close? And the answer is no, they didn't. And I, and I want to give you some reasons why. Number one, the first reason is, is that most of us think that of the word love as if it's just candy and we just throw it out like it's candy. It's like you're walking down a street in a parade and they're throwing the candy at you and we use that word love just like that. Robert used the word, I love tacos, for example, because it's, it's just, you know, well, he really enjoys tacos. But I, I want you to dig deeper in the first century when we talk about love, when we're talking about relationships, for example, if you use the phrase, well, the Bible says this about marriage, you need to be careful. Because the Bible understanding of marriage was the woman was the property of the man. And there was a contract made between uh, the parents that passed the woman off to the man and her whole job was to have babies, male babies. And if that wife didn't do it, they could get married again. Now remember, this is the biblical understanding of marriage. But Paul gives us a definition of love that I want to challenge you with. Imagine growing up your entire life not feeling like you could have those type of feelings or emotions towards another human being. Growing up as a slave under the Roman Empire and never being able to find your true love. And then to fathom, because you didn't grow up, like as, as Paul is talking to a specific group of people, that didn't hear that God loved them, that a divine being loved you with its whole heart so much so that God opened God's arms and wrapped you in them for the very first time Paul says in Corinthians he says love is patient love is kind it's it's not boastful or rude it's 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 not separating anyone in any way shape or form there is None of those things. And the greatest of this moment is God's love because it's genuine and it's nothing that the world can give you, but God can. And that is the love that they're hearing about for the very first time in the first century and they get to live it out. And you know what? You can see the evidence in it in this sanctuary this morning Because that love evidently continued to grow in the name of Jesus Christ. Because why would you be here this morning without that love? Why would we be having these conversations? Now here's the part that we need to come into a summation with. This is all about relationships with one another. As a community of faith and loving your community in one way or the other, we have to love all of God's creation in the way that God loves us, even though we don't feel like we're deserving of it. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little weird. Uh, every morning at about 8 15, whether I'm here in the sanctuary or I'm in my truck, I do a spiritual practice with which is my prayer time. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you this is what I do. And when I was preparing my sermon for this week, I figured out that this is a 20-second practice that I would like for each of you to try in your own prayer lives. Now, you don't have to do it. But for this morning, just uh, give me the opportunity to go through it with you. So get ready. Put your seatbelts on. Put your trays up in their upright positions. We're going for a ride. I would like for you for just a second to close your eyes. Don't worry, I am looking. Now, while you have your eyes closed, I want you to think about your friends, your family, and your community. What relationship in your life needs the lesson of genuine love the most? You got them in your head? Now, I want you to take a moment of silence to seek God's forgiveness, understanding, patience, and power for that relationship. And I'm going to give you about 10 seconds. Ready? Go. amen now you may open your eyes that person that popped into your head this week is somebody that you need to show active not passive love towards somehow some way it's your opportunity to do that this morning or this week it's something that we're trying to commit ourselves to letting our love be genuine a love that's practical, that took you 20 seconds. Selfless and transformative. Our goal is, is that our lives will be a living testament to the power of genuine love, reflecting God's love to the world around us. As we embrace and embody this love, we fulfill the greatest commandment to love God, love our neighbors as ourselves. And the goal then becomes to go forth from this place empowered by God's love to make a lasting impact on the world. In the name of the Creator, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.